This is Live Music Capital, a podcast about the business and politics of making music in Austin, Texas, and beyond. Live Music Capital is powered by Austin City Jams. Now, here's your host, Eric Lycom. Thank you, Mark Waldy. Welcome to the reboot of Live Music Capital. This is being recorded January 17, 2020 at the Live Music Capital headquarters in South Austin, Texas. Briefly, I started this podcast in August of 2018 as part of my former job as a reporter and anchor for News Radio KLBJ in Austin, but sadly could never find the time to produce it but once or twice, and I'm starting it up again. Wish me luck. In this edition, the city of Austin takes an unprecedented step towards helping subsidize Austin's rank-and-file musicians. We'll take a look into the Live Music Fund and why it's controversial. And the Texas Music Office reveals the top-selling Texas LPs in 2019. The Austin and Texas music communities were rocked by the passing of two key figures. Tommy Hancock and Rich Harney. Okay, my name is Tommy X. Hancock, and I'm originally from uh, Lubbock. I was born and raised here. I lived here 40 years. Tommy X. Hancock, known as the godfather of West Texas music, passed away at the age of 91 in Austin on New Year's Day 2020. He had been in failing health for the last three years. Hancock was an incredibly influential Texas musician whose legacy was documented in the film Tommy Hancock, West Texas Muse. Well, playing at the Cotton Club, which is a famous old club in, in Lubbock, it seated uh, about 1,600 in one incarnation of it. And I was the house band there, and a lot of famous bands played there. It was mainly the cowboy, young cowboy place, and, and we'd have 1,600 people in there uh, dancing, having a big time, and drinking. He had a great band. He had a big western swing band with twin fiddles and steel guitar and lead guitar and drums and so forth, so dance music. And I was really... Hancock formed the Roadside Playboys after World War II, where he served as a paratrooper. The Roadside Playboys would be a huge supporter of future acts from Lubbock, including Buddy Holly and the Crickets, Waylon Jennings, Joe Ely, Butch Hancock, no relation, and many others. His influence would loom large in Austin. He was one of the first to meld cowboy and hippie cultures. Austin musician and Lubbock native Lloyd Maines began playing with Hancock when he was a teen, and it wasn't long before he was tearing through four-hour sets with no breaks. Maines told the Austin American statesman that Hancock said the reason the band never took a break was to keep people dancing, saying if they're dancing, they can't think about fighting. In the 70s, the Hancocks moved to a small mountain cabin in New Mexico, where they formed the Supernatural Family Band, which briefly included Jimmy Dale Gilmore. The epitome of West Texas music is Tommy Hancock. He represents everything there is about West Texas and West Texas music. When I was in the Army, I was from Texas and had a fiddle, so everybody presumed that I could play all the breakdowns, which I couldn't. When I came back, I took the line of least resistance and, 
and was offered a job playing in a little late night club. We started at 12 and played till four. I got drunk and made five bucks and I thought, man, this is my career. <laughs> I found my place in life. I was 18. In the 80s, the Hancocks relocated to Austin. While Tommy didn't play that much, his wife and daughters formed the long-running Tex-Mex trio, the Tejana Dames. Hancock was featured in a 2013 documentary called Lubbock Lights. I was in law school and the first summer after my first year in law school, me and a friend went out to San Francisco to see what that whole party out there was doing. I featured myself as a party man, so I better check this out. Look like these cats got something going. So I, we went out there and took LSD and, and, and I realized, shoot, I can party like this from now on if I want to. A lot of people talk about uh, Buddy Holly being the the ultimate in West Texas music. Well, I disagree. I think it's Tommy Hancock. On January 5th, the Austin music community was stunned at the sudden and unexpected passing of jazz piano mainstay, Rich Harney. scheduled to play that day at the world-famous Elephant Room in Austin, but wasn't feeling well. His wife took him to the hospital in Kyle, Texas, where his heart stopped. His last gig was that morning at the First Presbyterian Church in Northwest Hills in Austin. It was said he could outplay any other Austin pianist in his sleep. Rich Harney's passing leaves a huge hole in the live music capital. Austin City Council has embarked on an unprecedented effort to help fund those who strive to keep Austin the live music capital of the world. It's something called the Live Music Fund. For the last 20 years or so, debate has raged within the Austin music community about whether the city should help fund musicians and music organizations that were not nonprofit. Back in September of 2019, Council took up the issue as part of an added agenda item at its meeting. Mayor Steve Adler acknowledged the debate. And this was the compromise that the uh, Arts Commission, Music Commission, uh, and uh, the, the other uh, stakeholders came to uh, that, um, um, that I think is a very good one. I think it recognizes the priorities in the community. And, and this money here for the, just the last 2%, it's the increment on the last 2%, is just available to folks that are not uh, uh, funded through the Cultural Arts Fund. What they discussed was raising the hotel occupancy tax, or hot tax as it's known, to its legal limit, and then carving out a percentage of that increase. That percentage would be dedicated to commercial music firms and musicians. Austin Tourism Commission Chairman Kat Whittington explains. The funding allocations as proposed by this ordinance, by my understanding, are in line with the recommendations of both of those boards and compliant with state law. And uh, those recommendations were unanimously approved in both instances. So I'm here today speaking as a longtime member of the music community, a musician, stagehand, concert promoter, and fan. Uh, regarding funding for music, the intention of the Visitor Impact Task Force was that new funding from the hotel occupancy tax, or the equivalent of 0.3 cents per taxable dollar, should be allocated by criteria that invest in the bottom line of musicians, music venues, and programs that drive music tourism in Austin. 
the commercial music sector. Such criteria should be developed and implemented under the full engagement of the music community and not under the existing nonprofit funding model and criteria. In other words, instead of nonprofits and for profits competing for the same slice of pie, they would make a bigger pie and give for profits a slice. In this case, 0.3 cents for every taxable dollar would go to music. Some council members like Kathy Tovo, whose district includes downtown, had her concerns. Because I do think I do think there are other funding lines within the hotel occupancy taxes that could be used to support music venues in this community, including the Tourism and Promotion Fund. Um, and I've heard and have also generated some ideas for the use of that. And and that would I think that bears considering over time because you know we have many we have a thriving cultural arts scene and I think they all um, deserve to be supported through through the cultural arts funding, and if the real challenge is that our commercial music can't compete with the larger bucket of cultural arts funding, it's just simply an act of council to allow commercial music to be part of that process. If they've been excluded because there's a provision that doesn't allow nonprofits, that's just an act of council. So there are multiple ways, I think, of of providing opportunities for commercial venues, other than other than this one. And I want to watch this over time and see um, whether some of those other paths are as beneficial or potentially more so. Councilmember Ann Kitchen, who represents South Austin, where a huge number of musicians reside, chimed in. And so I'm curious about why this is focused on music. And in other words, I, I had a similar question. This is to help us, to help the part of the community that's for-profit and not non-profit. But I'm not understanding why we are limiting it to music and why we wouldn't do this for the um, arts community also. The visual arts community. Whittington had a response to that. With all due respect to the organizations and programs that are currently funded by the hotel occupancy tax, Austin is the live music capital of the world. It's not the chamber music capital, visual arts capital, performing arts capital, historic preservation capital, or the convention center capital of the world. This small step in recognizing this commitment to the industry that is synonymous with the name of Austin, Texas, is critical to supporting an industry that is struggling under the economic forces of regional development. I cannot continue to sit idly by as I have watched this happen over the past decade. Austin does not have the hundreds of million dollars needed to rebrand this city. A brand that is ingrained in our streets, our entertainment districts, the airport, hotels, and all of our marketing materials, not to mention our culture. Our image and brand have been built on the backs of working musicians and those who make sure that the show goes on day after day after day. And it's time that we invest in policies and programs that recognize that. While the creative arts community is in agreement that commercial music needs its own funding stream and the Visitor Impact Task Force recommended such a funding stream, we are still at risk of pursuing policy that only nominally impacts the bottom line of the music community if we are not deliberate in creating new objective criteria to manage these funds. Of course, the big can of worms is how would the money be spent? Whittington offered this. But one potential project would be a, a live music rebate program for local musicians. And that could help increase the bottom line for venues as they can bring live music or local artists as opening acts for touring artists, which helps offset some real costs for venues. It can drive higher revenue for the local musicians that are playing in these venues. It could incentivize um, uh, events that are coming into town, maybe, maybe corporate groups or uh, promoters that are coming into town to book local musicians 
um, and help to drive funding and get it actually in the pockets of musicians. Other programs that have been talked about would be a uh, parking rebate or a parking structure so that musicians, gigging musicians that play downtown uh, could have their parking covered to help with their transportation costs and ease of access. Once the discussion subsided, Mayor Adler remarked, I do think this is a, a really special moment uh, that, that's happening here. I think it reflects who we are as a, as a city because we, we will not remain the live music capital of the world if we, if we don't support live music. Uh, and, and by this act, I think that we are speaking to the uh, importance uh, of this uh, in, our, in our community. And I'm, and I'm really proud to, to, to be part of that and to, and to make this statement. Council went on to approve the measure, but not without this comment from Kathy Tovo. I will, I'm comfortable doing this today with the understanding, which I think is the understanding, that we can continue to evaluate and we can always make changes to this. I see the provisions that are going away says it can't be done as part of the budget but it can be done as an act of council. We can always change those. We can always change the allocation within those percentages. Fast forward to January 6, 2020, when the Austin Music Commission had its meeting and the Live Music Fund was a huge agenda item. I recommended at my very first Tourism Commission meeting that council create a music fund from the hotel occupancy tax that flowed to the convention center. Um, I supported Prop B because that would have locked that in by Citizens Initiative requiring nine of 11 votes to change that. Um, the ordinance passed by council during the campaign can be rolled back by a simple majority, which brings me to you today. Austin Creative Alliance CEO John Reedy appeared and with council member Tovo's remark in mind, issued this warning. I am so excited that the city has finally decided to give money to live music. I've been advocating for that since I got involved in advocacy 10 years ago. Um, however, Watching from the front row, I urge you guys to be deeply skeptical and vigilant. Um, pay attention to the entire conversation around the hotel tax and the convention center, not just how it relates to music. Because if you do, you may have noticed that the city recently rolled back its promises to the county. One of the reasons that the county commissioners did not endorse Prop B is that the city promised them they would pay off the Chapter 334 debt. The city has rolled that back. And the county recently announced it would withdraw from the Travis County Expo Center, which is a huge economic opportunity, development opportunity in the Eastern Crescent that's not going to happen because the city backed off of its promise. I also want you to pay attention to the homeless stuff. The hotel industry has gotten deeply squishy about homelessness funding. Quietly, in June of last year, HB 1136 was passed by the hotel lobby. It removed the ability of a TPID to directly fund homelessness services that has not been covered very well in the press. Um, and the hotels have yet to commit to a percentage for homelessness. My point is three major promises were made this fall in the campaign, one to the county, one to the homeless advocates, and one to music. Two out of three of those promises are now being rolled back. So please protect this money. Pay attention to the entire conversation because lots of things are moving. And, and the Tourism Commission, I can tell you, you won't always get the best information from the hotel industry. The discussion over the live music fund during the commission meeting touched on subjects including transparency between artists and venues. So now the next step is on Monday, February 3rd, 2020, a work group will convene to discuss how best to allocate the funds. What's being suggested is that there are essentially two buckets 
with one to fund musicians, say all 8,000 or so that are enrolled with the Health Alliance for Austin Musicians or HAM, about $400 a year, and another fund to reimburse venues for hiring bands. Musician Zeke Jarman had this idea. I think it's really important, first of all, to preface that we get uh, this money out to as many individuals as possible. Uh, and so one way that I could see doing it is having a a registry of bands and uh, a registry of venues. And the bands get paid by the venues a minimum baseline pay that's like pretty decent. It should be decent. And uh, the venues have to meet a quota of bands on the registry in order to get money from the city. At that point, there's no reason to uh, pay the bands so little because they're going to be reimbursed. And by following the rules, they'll get money for their venues. I think it's a great idea. So maybe I should think about that. A survey is up now at speakupaustin.org. That's speakupaustin.org, where you can offer your thoughts and suggestions on how best to divvy up that money. I plan to report on the outcome of the work group meeting and the reaction by the Austin Music Commission on the next Live Music Capital. The Texas State Music Office has announced the top-selling Texas Artist LPs for 2019. Here are the top five from Texas record stores that have reported thus far. Waterloo Records and Austin's top five were Patty Griffin's self-titled LP, Gary Clark Jr.'s This Land, Casey Musgrave's Golden Hour, Black Puma's self-titled LP, and number one, Austin City Limits Radio Broadcast Volume 27. In Fort Worth at Panther City Vinyl, their top five, Mean Motor Scooter by Hindu Flying Machine, Simon Flory, Radioville, Cutthroat Finches, An Event of Moon Disaster, Pinkish Black, Concept Unification, and number one, Charlie Crockett, The Valley. At End of an Ear in Austin, their top five, Blaze Foley, Lost Muscle Shoals Recording, Bill Callahan, Shepherd in a Sheepskin Vest, Leon Bridges, Coming Home, Kurangbin, Con Todo El Mundo, and their number one, Black Pumas, self-titled LP. And at Antone's Records in Austin, their top five, The Tailgaters, Texas Favorites, Gary Clark Jr., This Land, Friends of Lazy Lester, Lazy Lester Forever, Austin City Limits Radio Broadcast, Volume 27, and number one, Black Pumas, self-titled LP. Condolences to the family and friends of Bill Weisner, the owner and proprietor of Bill's Records in Dallas. He was found dead Saturday, January 11th at the age of 75 behind the counter of the store he showed up for every day for 40 years. And that's going to do it for this edition of Live Music Capital, powered by Austin City Jams. Check out my website, ericlicom.com. This program copyright 2020. On behalf of our announcer, Mark Waldy, I'm Eric Lycom saying thank you for listening and check back soon for another Live Music Capital. <laughs>